0: Victory Church, how you doing? Uh, let's, let's try that one more time. I know it's still dark in here. Good morning, Victory Church. How are you doing? Good it is good to be back home in my home church. It's always a, pl- a pleasure and a privilege to be able to fill in uh, for, uh, for, for pastor when they're gone. Uh, didn't the team do an incredible job this morning? Would you put your hands together? Let's show a little love for our team. We're grateful, appreciate everything that you guys do. Hope you are getting some great summer vacation. How many of you have had your vacation or your, yes? How many of you are waiting, like it's coming up in the next couple of weeks, right? My wife and I have had uh, the privilege to take some time off and travel. And uh, so it was good to come back home. Little did I know uh, August will be 12 years that I have been in Lakeland, Florida. Little did I know that 12 years ago, one of the greatest things that would happen to me would be a relationship that I would develop with uh, a man that would end up becoming my pastor, would end up becoming my coach, uh, and would end up becoming one of my closest friends. Uh, And I just want to tell you, I say this every time I come out, it's no gimmick, it's no trick, it's just the truth. Uh, I love my pastor, and he's one of the greatest voices in my life. Uh, I don't know if you've got somebody in your life that's always in your corner that's always calling the best out of you and is always spurring you on to do things you don't think you could do. I just want to pray with you that you could find that person, because I found it, and and I just think it'd be appropriate. Do you think we could put our hands together and just say thank you uh, to Pastor Wayne and Sharon for just incredible leadership as they're celebrating? We love you, we thank you. Uh, I was texting with him last night, and he said make sure to give everyone his love. He's excited to be back and to be, uh, be with you, and uh, these are going to be some good days, some good days. You know, how many of you have a summer reading list? Anybody here have a summer? Am I the only guy that's just kind of that geeky, I have a summer? Oh, yes, <laughs> I love it. Honest people, there's a lady on the front, she's like, yeah, it really is kind of a geek thing for you to have a reading list and you're going to talk about it. I'm here, I'm all out in the open, so let's just go. So all year long, I'm dealing with budgets, people, uh, working at the university, Uh, I've been at Southeastern University for now uh, almost 12 years. Like I said, August will be 12 years. When I come to summertime, I don't read. I just read fiction. That's it. I, I have like beach books that I've got laid out where we're posted up on the lake somewhere or at the beach, and I'm just reading straight fiction. This is the first year in all the years I can remember that has not been the case. There has been this idea and this thought floating around in my head that I can't get away from And I have been reading on one single topic the entire summer, uh, and it's about what does a real disciple look like, and am I that guy? And I've had this wrestling with him, and I think it's because I'm walking into a new season. Uh, December, I will turn 50 years old. Dear Jesus, how did I get this old? I have no idea. And it does make me feel better when some people have a surprised look on their face like, dude, you're 50? I didn't think that. All right, and others are like, oh, that's all you are? I appreciate that too, right? So uh, I'm going to turn 50 in December, and then now, uh, as of uh, uh, April, mid-April, I am truly an empty nester. My wife and I uh, have two kids, and our daughter, uh, the last time I spoke here, I was talking to you about my nervousness for the daddy-daughter dance, right? People remember that. We crushed it. It was a great night. Perfect. It's the only event my little girl has ever looked at me and said, dad, it was perfect. If you're going to hit it out of the park, I'm just saying wedding day is a good day to do it. This is me and my girl just seconds before I walked her down the aisle. She is, that doesn't melt your heart, just going home. There's nothing I'm going to say. It's going to help you, right? But as a dad, uh, I came into this thing with a little bit of a bravado all right, this whole empty nester. I just said, we're changing the locks. <laughs> you better call before you come home. Uh, her mom had already listed out insurance, cell phone, everything that was getting transferred over. We were like screaming freedom running around the house, right? We we're just thinking this is gonna be the greatest thing in the world. I didn't experience that, daddy. Anybody here, a father to a daughter? Let me see your hand. How many of you are like daddy's girl? She had me wrapped when she came out. Come on, raise your hands, raise your hands. I was not that guy. I thought something was wrong with me until I realized she's just the female version of me and we were always going to butt heads, right? Somewhere around 18, we started to get back together like, oh, this is my little girl. But all of the emotions that you felt as, as, as daddy's girl, right? I experienced them in the, the week leading up to the wedding And the month after, I had to call, I was thinking about calling a counselor. I was so depressed uh, the day after I gave her away. I'm literally looking at my wife like, did we do the right thing? I'm not sure. Can we take it back now? I did the wedding. Did I sign the license? Maybe I could could turn this around. And she's like, honey, stop. Is the right guy? And I I now, to this day, I will call my daughter and she'll be like, dad, you've already called me once today. Is everything okay? Baby, I just miss you. I hope you're doing okay and, and you're not at home. She's like... I'm fine, Dad." So her and her husband are living in Sebring, Uh, and if you know anything about Sebring, uh, the average age down there is nowhere close to 20-something. And so we've been talking to her about acclimating and all those things, and so as I'm looking at this, I'm 12 years into my calling, I have a dream job, we're expecting another record enrollment at Southeastern this coming fall, God's hand is blessing it. Uh, My kids are out, I'm back to the home team with just my wife, married 27 years in August, right? Uh, and and, and so I'm looking at all this, and the only question I can ask myself right now is, Chris, are you still really a disciple of Christ? It's this gnawing question that I need to come back to and answer, and what does it look like at 49 in an empty house for me to wake up every morning with the greatest passion in my heart to become more like Jesus, right? And so there are three words uh, that have been just kind of uh, circling. You ever get things stuck in your head like a song or a tune or whatever? I've got three words that have just been going around and around in my heart and my spirit. Come and see. Come and see. John writes these words, and, it, and it, it's actually the words of Jesus. And so when we look at this, I, I want to talk to you today about what does it look like to be a disciple, right? Because here's the thing, as, as a veteran educator, and, and how many teachers do I have in the room? where we at? God bless your heart. I'm praying for you. I will not say anything about school starting back up anytime soon. You keep catching your breath. Uh, The most underpaid, overlooked people on the planet. I love my teachers. Yes, we're praying God's blessing all over you. But as an educator, yeah, you can give them a hand. Yes. Right? So my teachers in the room will get this. There is a difference between a disciple and a student. A disciple right, wants to be like the person that they are following. They want to learn. I'll talk more about what it looked like in Jesus' time, but first I will talk about the student side. A student just wants to attain whatever knowledge that they have to in order to get the grade that they need to to attain the piece of paper they have to. Does that make sense? And here's the danger with me, I'll just confess with all of you. In my walk with Christ, I oftentimes drift from disciple and lean into student, right? I often drift from this, this radical moment where Jesus changed my life. So let's, let's talk about this. Galilee, in the time where we see Jesus getting his disciples together, he's on the scene. Well, this, this is the Jews in Galilee were the most passionate and prepared when it comes to scripture. Their educational system was at five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 18 years old, all the way up to 30, is all these progressive runs of learning Scripture and memorizing Scripture and understanding the interpretation of Scripture. And so in this time period, when people said uh, they made it to the top part of this educational system, they would have the opportunity to follow a teacher, follow a rabbi. And their mindset was much different than ours they spent every waking moment with that rabbi. They spent every moment of every day watching what he would do, listening to what he would say, how would he handle that problem, why? Because they don't just want to know what he knows. They want to do what he does. They don't just want to do that. They want to do it in the way he does it. And when you overlay that over you and I in our faith of what Christ has called us to be, he never looked at you and I and said, hey, I just want you to know what I know. Nope. I just want you to do what I do. Nope. I want you to know what I know because I have shared with what the Father has revealed to me to you. I want you to do what I do, and I want you to do it in the way that I do it. And so as we talk about what does it mean to be a disciple and how do we live in that, the best place for us to start is John chapter 1 and verse 35. And so what you see when we go here is that John the Baptist has already called out Jesus. He's already said he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John has already testified, and he says this. God spoke to me and said, the one whom the the Spirit descends upon and stays, that will be the one. That's the chosen one. And I saw that in Jesus. So when we read John 1, 35, this uh, this is what transpires. And this is where I think Jesus lays out for you and I everything we need to know. About what it means to be a disciple in 2021, post-pandemic. Here it is. Today, uh, let's see. The next day, John was there again with two of his followers. When he saw Jesus walking by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two followers heard John say this, so they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he asked, What are you looking for? I think that's an interesting question. Right? A teacher who's doing his thing, and he turns around and sees two guys. He's like, what are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? He answered, come and see. So the two men went with Jesus and saw where he was staying and stayed there with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Let's pray. Father, I pray over the next few minutes that you would open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. You give us eyes to see what needs to be changed and the courage to take the next step towards you and becoming who you created us to be. Lord, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. They ask him, where do you stay? He goes, come and see. I don't think Jesus was saying, come look at the Airbnb. We got a really good deal. I don't think it was Jesus going, we got a sweet spot down by the lake, the fishing's primo. Come hang out with me. It wasn't that. Jesus knew exactly, because when he looked at him, he goes, what are you looking for? I think Jesus was testing them. I think Jesus looked at him and said, is this just an idle curiosity, or do you really want to know who I am? And they said, where are you staying? Right? Jesus says, come and see. He was inviting them into a relationship, into a journey, where he said, I am exactly who your teacher said I am. I am the Lamb of God. I am the one who takes away the sin of the world. Come and see for yourself that I am who people are saying I am. You will witness it with your own eyes. Come spend time with me. I won't hide anything from you. I will reveal who I am and you can watch me and you can become like me. I think the same question that Jesus asked them and his response, he's asking us today. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Are you looking for something that's going to make you feel better? Are you looking for something, the latest thing to talk about, or are you looking for the Messiah? Because if you're looking for the Messiah, the invitation is here for you today at Victory Church. Come and see. Because I'm still alive. I'm still doing what I've been doing. My spirit is active. You can follow me. And I don't know where you are in your faith journey this morning, but I'm going to tell you the greatest decision I ever made was to follow Jesus Christ. And the greatest decisions that I keep making to this day are those days where I check myself when the Holy Spirit says, boy, you're drifting. You're drifting. I called you to be like me, not to learn about me. Because see, when I'm not at my best, I talk more about God than I do participating with him. I live in the past victories that he's given me rather than a daily expectation of what he's about to do in me, through me, and because I've I've yielded my heart to him. And I don't want to do that. So I'm coming to you this morning. This is just my personal journey of where I'm at in this season where the Lord has looked at me and said, come and see, Chris. Come and see. Come and see. Come back to being a disciple. Well, how do you do it? What's interesting to me is when you read that scripture, I think it's verse 39, it said they stayed with him. They stayed with him. That's the same word that we find in John 15 that says this, if you abide in me, and I abide in you, ask whatever you want, and that'll be given to you, right? If you remain in me, right, it's the same word, abide, stay, remain. So Jesus outlines this in John 15, what's it look like? In verse 4 he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, if you want to live a life that matters, it will have to be connected to me. He says, no, there's no other way. Without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can ask whatever you want. He says, if you uh, remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. And I'm going like, Jesus is just like a genie, I can rub the, I can ask whatever, I mean, Ford F-150, uh, fully loaded, I mean, are, are, we, are we just like a wish list here, Jesus, for Christmas? But when you look at the scripture, you know better. It says, when my word remains in you, when I'm aligned with God's word, I'm aligned with God's will, yes. and the things that I ask for are in alignment with what he wants. He says, Chris, if you'll remain in me, you're not just going to be fruitful, but I'm going to unlock the power of prayer for you because you're going to be dialed into what I've called you to do. He goes on in John 15 and says this. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Remain in my love. You've heard me say this. If you've heard me preach ever, what's your love language, right? You've heard me say this over and over. It's still working after 27 years. I'm like every other man on the planet. Physical touch, words of affirmation. Thank you very much right? My wife, still staying strong, acts of service. Who knew washing the car and grabbing a mop would get the eye of my wife so quickly, and it still works to this day. And I say this over and over again, Jesus has laid, when you know what your partner's love language is, why would you not speak it? Something wrong with you, right? It's right there, she told you, he told you, this is my love language. Jesus is laying out My love language is obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. See, if we're called to be a disciple, it can't be what a student does where they show up twice a week, three times a week, and we simply just take notes and we're trying to pass a test. But oftentimes I've been guilty of that. I just sit in church, take notes, in case someone asks me, I can tell them what I heard. Full confession, I'm just telling you, I go through seasons. I know all of you are more godly than me, but man, you're bad. Pastor asked me to speak today, right? And so you go through these motions, and then you go down the road, and you start asking yourself, why am I at church? Why does it even matter? Because all you're doing is trying to pass a test. And Jesus said, I invited you to be with me so that you could be like me. Not that you could just know about me, but that you could actually know me. And that you would do what I do the way in which I do it. And it's going to be impossible apart from my spirit that I'm going to give you so that you can do all the things that I've called you to do. This idea of discipleship, I've been reading this guy named Rowan Williams. And that word stay, he writes about it. And he said at at, at the very foundation of thought uh, of being a disciple is that word is, is the idea of staying. When you have the capacity to stay in proximity with Jesus, this idea of staying put, and when he moves, you move. I have a lot of young leaders all the time ask me, if you if you would if you would uh, tell me one trait that you look for in a in a young leader, an up-and-coming leader that you that would catch your eye, what what would it be? And I always shock them when I tell them. A lot of them I think they're thinking I'm gonna say public speaking, problem solving right relationship networking nope my my answer is always the same grit what grit you like mean like the food grits <laughs> like no the ability to endure hard things and not quit right this idea of staying power That you can stand in the midst of adversity and you're not going to move. Why? Because you know you're where you're supposed to be. This idea of staying with Jesus, of abiding in him, lies at the heart of who you and I have been called to be. We have been called to find our life in Jesus. Does that make sense? Five things. They're not on the screen, uh, but here they are five things that I think scripture lays out for us that Jesus tells us that we have to have in order to abide with him. Because I can't, I can't physically see Jesus walk by and go, where are you staying? You an, you an AMI like everybody else from Lakeland? Right? No, you're not there. Where are you? I can't say that. And so when we look at this, how do I abide with Jesus? Number one, wake up every morning with a sense of expectancy. The reason why he said, come and see, is because disciples were called to listen and to look, to hear and observe what is going on with Jesus. What is he doing? Who is he with? What is he saying? How did he handle that? And I'm telling you, you can wake up every morning with the same expectancy because the activity of God is all around you and I every day. So, well, Chris, what does that look like? It sometimes is the voice of discouragement in someone that I've been mentoring that I can speak life, not death, into. And I can talk to them about, man, just hang on. God is faithful. You're going to make it through this. I'm participating in the activity of God. Why? Because he called us to do life together. But how often are we so busy we pass people by and we never understand or we're not, we're focused more on ourselves than we are on others. I think the number one thing, of cultivating this idea of abiding in christ is waking up every morning and saying god i'm looking for you today you're alive and well in my life and i am looking to find you and what you're up to in my day today it could be with your kid it could be with your wife it could be with a co-worker it could be with an absolute stranger where the lord says hey take whatever you got in your pocket and give to that person Have you ever done that i've done it a few times A couple times I looked at what was in my pocket and I was like, Jesus, are you sure? Right? This idea that God is at work in us and around us, I don't think we're able to abide with Jesus outside of cultivating this expectant awareness that God's spirit is alive and moving around us, in us, and through us. The second thing that I think that he calls us to be a part of i think that if we're going to abide in christ is this you have to give yourself to community seek the community of other believers go deep in relationship life comes when we are with the people of god remember i told you about my girl she called a couple of times and, and her husband if you don't remember he's with the fwc he has to live where they live been stationed down there's great guy she's trying to do her best <coughs> to be a be a good wife but she's like dad I don't know anybody down here I, I I don't know anybody down here my wife and I have lived long enough we spent our first 17 years in local church ministry and the deepest relationships I have to this day are all traced back to the local church I can call them by name Matt and Ryan in Seneca, South Carolina, two of my closest friends, doesn't matter how far we're apart, how long I haven't talked to them, I'm going to go back, and it will be like we never left. Where did we meet, church? How do we build our relationships in church? And they've survived long after us leaving. So when my daughter, she calls, and she said, Dad, it's just it's kind of lonely down here. You know what I told her? Baby, go to the bar, and you'll meet some good friends. <laughs> nope. Baby, go to the park and you'll run into some really nice people. Nope. So, baby, find a church. Find the church. Find one until you walk in and you see people that you can connect with, right? Bible believing. She knows all that stuff. She doesn't need to hear her dad say it. She just needs me to tell her the best shopping for community is the local church. Why? Because you and I were never meant to live apart. We were meant to laugh together, we were meant to grieve together, we were meant to do life together. In a tight-knit group of people that all say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Because when my marriage gets in a rough place, I don't need someone telling me somebody else looks good. I need them leaning in going, hey, bro, keep your head about you. We're praying for you. Right? We're praying over your marriage. Right? When you gather yourself, I'm telling you, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. I didn't make that up. That's not my mama saying. Bad company corrupts good character. You want to abide in Christ? You want to know where Jesus is hanging out? He's hanging out with his people. I want to be around people who look at me and go, hey, you got this, man. What are you reading? And if I try to give them, well, I'm kind of this. Oh, so you're not reading anything right now? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Right? Community provides us this sense of belonging. It provides us a sense of accountability. But more often than not it provides us a front row seat to see god working in other people's lives and i've been through some stuff with ryan and matt i've listened to them i watched called him about three weeks ago and i've never heard matt cry ever in my life he's this uh, four foot nothing uh mennonite fella and just the biggest heart you'll ever see in your life is a contractor just salt of the the kindest man one of the kindest men I've ever met in my entire life. Never heard him cry. He's my hunting buddy. We fish, do all these things together. And I call him, and I said, hey, what's up? And I call Matt, and Ryan answers. And they live in the same place. And I said, hey, what's up? And we're just walking out of the funeral home, and I can hear, I can hear Matt crying, sniffling. I'm like, what's going on? and one of our other friends, they're very close with them, but I'm kind of one removed, but I know him. His name's Jeremy. His son, 19 years old, I believe, fell asleep at the wheel and read head-on into a logging truck, right? I don't even know what to say. What do, you, what do you say to that? How? There's nothing to say, right? But I'm on the phone. I'm hearing grown men cry because this kid they watch grow up is no longer with them, right? You're just like, this is what you want out of community? You're darn right it is. Because, man, I was on my face praying for those guys, going, God, I don't know what to say, but God, give them grace, give them peace, speak life over them. And when I've gone through similar things, I know they're praying for me. Church, never underestimate the power of community. Invest in relationships, right? They'll change your life. So the first thing is I wake up every morning and I say, God, I'm looking for you and I'm listening for your voice in this world. I'm leaning into the community of relationships that you've put around me. The third is this I seek the company of Christ in Scripture. I seek the company of Christ. If I'm gonna cry this much, I'm going to need some napkins or something. I prayed for humility, and this is what I got, and y'all have to deal with it. All right. So I'm looking for, I'm looking for God in Scripture. Woke up this morning about 3.30, got out of bed, started doing what I needed to do, came back out a little later, there's my brother down staying with me, seeing his newly born grandson, and he's out on the back porch, and I didn't need to ask him what he was doing. I knew what he was doing. Every other man in my family, this is what we were trained and taught to do. You get up, you read scripture. I grew up watching my dad just memorize scripture. I'll never forget when I left Lakeland, I graduated from Southeastern, I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, as a youth pastor and I stood in front of eight kids and I'm like, you people are all just in really bad shape because God picked me to pastor you. You're in trouble. What am I going to do? And all I could remember was, lean into God's word, son, it'll never fail you. And so that I began to memorize as my dad did, as I watched, as he was a disciple of Christ, not just wanting to know about him, but to know him. And things like, man, Psalm 119, 9, 10, 11, how does a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Your word is a lamp to my feet a light and to my path, it is, it is literally the clearest and easiest way for you and I to hear the voice of God. You want to get better at picking up on God's activity in your community and in your workplace? Get better at listening to Him in Scripture. You'll begin to be able to pick up on the activity of God. If I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, I have to be in proximity of Jesus. I have to be in space with Him. How do I do it? Looking for Him in my everyday life experiencing him with my friends leaning into scripture and looking not just to check off my yearly how many of you just have started a yearly bible reading through and you never finish it confession i like it there's good honest people are right in here i always have the greatest of intentions i have the attention span of a gnat. literally i'm like i'm gonna do it this year it's gonna happen nope I'll start this. I want to read this. No, let's go over here. Oh, that was good. Let's go back here. And so I have this whole thing of, Lord, what does it look like for me, how you've wired me to engage your scripture on a regular basis? And I figured out a rhythm that works for me. And it's all sorts of really just different things from listening. I spend 30 days listening to the Bible on my way into work. It's a 17-minute drive. And I'm listening to scripture on the way in and out. Then I spend a series of time where I'm, I'll just short scripture, and I'm ruminating on it. I'll read it four times, the same passage. It's called Lectio, if you, if you look at it in church history. It's a really, really great way of reading uh, scripture. You read it to just digest it. To And so I've found these ways of which I engage in scripture. Why? Without connecting to Jesus, I'll never be fruitful. I'll never know what real love is. And I will never reach my full potential. But man, if I lean into scripture, my friends, what's next? Pretty obvious. Prayer. Prayer. Number four, seek the company of the Father and Son in the Spirit through prayer. The number one thing that I would tell you that I have found over the years that I love to pray Right? I pray for people's needs. I always come with thanksgiving. I thank God. I think gratitude is always the best way for us to approach Christ. Right? And then I go into God. Here are the people in my life. Literally this morning, I forgot to pray for my neighbors that were driving. They're driving up to North Carolina. You came by yesterday to tell me they were leaving. And I said, Man, I'll pray for you guys for safe travels. And I hadn't. And I just feel crunchy when I do that. Oh, I'll pray for you. Did you really pray for me? Did that really happen? And so at first service this morning, I'm like, Lord, I pray for Pete and Sherry. I ask God that you would give them traveling mercies. Why? Because I want to be, I want to treat prayer like it's real. It's not a token comment we say in the Christian community. But here's the number one thing that I have found in prayer. It's made it easier. It's made it more effective for me. I pray scripture. I love to pray through the Psalms. Just pray scripture why because when you pray through the psalms you're aligning your mind and your heart with the heart of jesus and i'm never asking for the wrong thing i'm never wasting my time why because i'm learning to pray the way he called me to pray does that make sense last thing number five and we'll close with this if you're looking for an easy life jesus is really probably not it right? I mean, he has a great sense of humor, but he will typically call you to the place where your, your, your gift set, He's, he, he hasn't always put me in my place of strength, let's put it that way. Does that make sense? You're talking to a guy who I couldn't speak in public most of my way through high school. The anxiety was too much for me to handle. Oh, you want me to be a preacher? That's funny, <laughs> right? But it gets better. His sense of humor is even better. Uh, he, I spent the last 12 years of my life in higher education. <laughs> if, I wasn't so, if I wasn't so prideful, I'd tell you what my high school GPA was. <laughs> but I promise you, if you saw my high school GPA, you'd like, yeah, a future in construction or uh, like moving dirt. No, I mean, that's probably where you're going to be because you didn't apply yourself. This is where no, there's anything wrong with that. It's good. I did that for years. Love it. I'm not trying to make light of anybody's work. But when you see, oh, you work at a university that gives out degrees, and you graduate high school with this, I'm like, Jesus, you're so funny. It's the same thing with the people he calls you to be around. If you want to find where Jesus is at, find the people he's most interested in. See, he got hammered for hanging out with tax collectors, drunkards, <laughs> prostitutes, got hammered. Reputation, man, who, who is this guy? And his response was pretty good. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. If you want to abide with Jesus, you're going to find yourself around people you never thought you'd be around. People that, they don't act the way you'd want your son or daughter to act. God called you to love them. Not love them after they came to Christ. Love them before they come to Christ. The way he loved you. Remember, it's not just to know him It's not just to do what he does it's to do it the way he does it while we were yet sinners Christ died for us what would happen church if you and I started going God where are you I don't care what their background is I don't care what they're into Lord, if you put someone in my path, God, I'm gonna tell them about the love of Jesus. I'm gonna let them experience it. I'm gonna pour into them. Why? Because if I abide in you, you will abide in me and I will bear much fruit. I wanna be the guy that Christ says, boy, you overachieved. You, you, You did well, son. You took everything that I gave you and you invested it and you stewarded it because you stayed in me. So my prayer for you is simple this morning: that you would wake up every morning and go, "God, I'm looking for you today, and I'm listening for you." In the laughter with your friends, you would be reminded of the joy of the Lord because of the common faith that you have. that when you get into Scripture, that God would illuminate things like never before, and you would have this hunger and this passion that God I hear your voice. You speaking to me today that when you pray you would see the answers to your prayer I want to share this Um, I've been praying for something for three years I think it could be one of the longest things other than praying for some some friends of mine to come to faith this was a specific challenge I'm facing at work and that's all I can tell you I've been praying for this fasting praying and I've watched it looked like God was at work, and then the bottom fell out. And I'm like, this is never going to happen, and I've got, we've got to have this happen. And then it would get a little bit better, and then it would get even worse. And I'm going, God, I need this. Lord, you know this is the future. We've got to have this. Lord, you called me here. Why would you let me fail? Three years. Last week, president forwarded me an email that was written confirmation that not only was God at work, He had solved our problem. That God had said, "I am faithful. I heard your prayers." Church, if you look at me and you ask me, "Why do you serve God?" I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna go, "Cause He's faithful." And when I say it, I got some stuff behind me to back it up. I'm not a rookie anymore. And and when I look around, I see people that have served God their whole life, and they look at me, and they smile, and they go, He's faithful. The only way you can say that is if you stay. If you abide through the tough times. You lean in in prayer. Ma'am, sir, greatest decision you could ever make is refuse to be a student and pursue being a disciple. That's where you draw close. That's when you hear his voice the clearest. That's when you sense his presence the most. Would you stand to your feet? And I'm not. If you're here and you're in the room, we don't need to close our eyes. I just made a commitment a long time ago that in moments like this, I would always give people the opportunity to come to know Jesus or come home to Jesus. And so if you're here and you've listened to me, and despite my sniffles and the tears, you'd say, man, this Jesus thing, I want to give it a try, or I want to come home. If you're here and God's pulling on your heart to say, you know what? I want to follow him with my whole heart today. I want to come back to Jesus. I just want you to lift your hand where you are. We're just going to pray together. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I like it. Yeah, cool. I'm still looking. Okay. I love it. So good. So good. Hey, we're going to pray. The Bible says this pretty simple that if you believe in your heart that He is who He says He is, He's Christ, the Son of the living God, and He died on the cross for your sins and rose again so that you and I could be with Him, and you confess that with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you are saved. Like you will be saved. And so, church, let's pray with a handful of our friends that said, you know what, I'm coming home, or I'm coming for the first time, I want to know who Jesus is, I want to be a disciple, right? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me, and you rose again, Lord, you did this because you love me, so that I could have a relationship with you, so that I could draw close. And you could shape me and who you want me to be. I choose today to follow you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Amen. Hey, if you're one of those that raised your hand, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to give you the best coaching advice ever. Take your first step into community. When we're all said and done, you don't need to come right now, or if you want to come right now, you can. Uh, Connect with one of these people down here They're simply just going to make sure You've got whatever reading materials you're They're not going to hound you or pastor you They're literally going to give you the next steps In becoming a disciple Because remember this Following Jesus is never an event It's always a journey And what you just did was took the first step In a really, really good journey But for the rest of the church I want to ask you Can we pray together today? I don't know where you are Whether you're just coasting along, or you've got your head down and you're living your best life with Jesus and you're hearing Him every day, but I just think it would be a good prayer for Victory Church to pray, God, fill this place with disciples that want to hear Your voice, that want to be Your hands, that want to acknowledge You, God, in every facet of their life. In fact, let's do it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church. I pray for my family this morning, and Lord, we once again come back to You and say, Lord, It's not enough for us to know about you. We want to know you. Lord, you said, come and see, and here we are, and we want to see, God. We want to see your hand at work in our families. We want to see your hand providing for those that are broken and lost. We want to see your hand healing people, God, restoring marriages. Lord, we came for the full deal to be your disciples, God, to have your dust, to walk in your footsteps, Jesus. And God, I pray right now you would give us a renewed passion to be the people of God, to follow you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our strength. And the church said, amen. Hey, God bless you. We're gonna, the band's gonna play and sing over us. If you're here and you've got something you want prayer for, man, some really godly people who believe in prayer are waiting to pray for you so you can make your way out. God bless you.